0: Welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements Jesus is our passion, and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus, and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. Happy Sunday, church. I am so glad that you have decided to worship with us here at Queen's Church at Home. Hey, do me a quick favor. If this is your first time ever watching this um, or watching with us, go ahead and say hello in the comments there. We have plenty of people from our church who would love to welcome you. And as you're doing that, I want to invite you all to your Bibles in Daniel chapter 3. We are right in the middle of a series entitled Fearless. And today, as we enter into Daniel chapter 3, we're going to be talking about how we are called to be fearless in the fire. If you have ever heard the story of um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, I hope that you will not just turn your ears off, but that you'll be open to receiving the word that God has for you today because His word is always living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God certainly has something to say to you today. So Daniel chapter 3, and as we begin thinking about this idea of being fearless in the fire, I want to uh, bring up some things that you are probably familiar with. And that's that right now in our country, you are being told by two different sides of the same coin that you must give allegiance to them. If you want to have any safety or any security, you must give allegiance Any ideas of what I'm talking about, right? The election, we're right in the middle of an election year and the Republicans and the Democrats are both vying for everyone's votes and both of them have the way forward. And if you do not vote for them, then you will lose America as you know it. Right? So I just want to point out to us right now, before we get too caught up in this season, that as followers of Christ, we are not to get caught up in the security that the world has to offer. And this passage we're going to talk about today has a lot to do with safety and security. We can see, as we have talked about in the other weeks, that our future is secure in God and in Him alone. The world will always demand our allegiance, church. And today we'll see um, from God's word and also from some, uh, some everyday illustrations that we have things around us demanding our allegiance, demanding that we, will, we should bow our knee in worship to them. And they make promises, great promises, like they will keep us safe and secure or they will give us satisfaction or they will give us glory or fame or even fortune. But church, we know that any promise that the world makes, it has no power to deliver on. The promises that the world make when they demand our allegiance, the world does not have any power to deliver on. And for Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the three characters in our story today, um, you will see, we will see from God's word that when they face this test, right, they went into the fire They knew that had they bowed to the king, the king was powerless to deliver on his promises. But God always delivers on his promises. Let's jump in right here. Daniel chapter 3. As we do, begin thinking about what demands your attention. So I'll ask you that now. Think for a second about something that is demanding your allegiance right now. Maybe it's what I just brought up. You feel you really do feel torn, maybe not on who you're going to decide, but you feel like someone in your political sphere is demanding your allegiance and they're and they're fearing you into following them. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in, or maybe it's your job or your children. Maybe it's your pleasure that demands your allegiance. What is it in life that is demanding your allegiance? Think about that as we read Daniel chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. Uh, we won't read the entire chapter. I invite you to do that later at, at your own leisure. But we are going to talk about um, King Nebuchadnezzar here. Listen to this. He makes an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was six cubits. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. This is about a 90 foot tall structure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, prefects, governors, counselors, treasurers, justices, magistrates, and all the officials. We're just going to say officials from here on out for them. He gathers them to the provinces to come to the dedication of this grand image that the king had set up. Then all of these officials gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that he had set up. And listen, the herald proclaims aloud, you are all commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And a warning, whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning fire. Fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as the people heard the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, all the nations, and all the languages fell down and worshiped this golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Church, you will be faced with situations like this. And we'll talk about that throughout each point, but I want to dive into what what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three men who we'll read about here in a moment, what it was that they were thinking as they went into this season. So what happens um, following these, uh, those first verses is that there are three officials who we've talked about the last few weeks. Um, they, go by three different, they go by two different names. Their Hebrew names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But remember, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to change their name at the beginning of their exile in Babylon, and we learned in the first week, go back and watch it if you haven't caught it yet, is that you can change their name, but you cannot change their God, right? So they continue to worship God, but uh, here they're referred to as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Same men with different names. And these men decided that they were not going to pay attention to the king's edict. They were going to ignore it, and they were not going to bow Now, because of the position that they had been placed in authority after Daniel chapter 1, when they were wiser ten times than any other official that they had brought out of Judah, he placed them in charge of many things. So people saw them, and some people noticed that they were not bowing to the image. When they noticed they weren't bowing to the image, they let Nebuchadnezzar know, hey, there there are these Hebrew men, and they are not following this edict. And Nebuchadnezzar gets furious with rage. And he lights the fire that he promised he would light. And he brings them to cast them into the furnace. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says something great in chapter 3, verse 16. They say, "'Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. "'If you take us to the fire, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us out of it. "'He will deliver us out of your hand and out of the uh, the fiery furnace.'" And even if he doesn't, O king, we will not serve your God. We will not worship the golden image that you have set up. So what happens here is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they know that even though Nebuchadnezzar has charged them with this thing, they know they cannot avoid the fire. They know it's going to happen. And church, Because the world is always busy around us, constructing idols that demand our attention and worship, we should know, as followers of Christ, that the fire is inevitable. If you are going to have God as your Lord and Christ as your King, the fire is inevitable. You cannot avoid it. So if you have been avoiding the fire... I want to ask you a question. What idols do you think are demanding that you bow, that you've been bowing to? An idol is anything that we worship, right? It's anything that we have put in place of God. It's something that we seek that only God can give us. So an idol for you could be love and affection. Maybe you're seeking love and affection from the things of the earth, While God is the only one who can give you true love and affection. Maybe it's your identity. You're seeking after something inside of you or outside of you that will give you purpose. You see, God is the only one that can truly do that. So when we seek our own identity in the ways of the world, we are chasing after an idol. Maybe it's what we talked about at the beginning, security, right? If you're seeking security from the things of the world, that's something God can only give you. But when we choose to bow to God alone, there is a fire that awaits us. Just as there was a fire that awaited Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They decided we are not going to follow the ways of the king. Well, there's a fire that awaits you. We know, but we believe that God can deliver us from the fire. Maybe the fire is criticism that you will face for not bowing to the things of the world for not being feared into election results or not being obsessed with love and affection or sex or drink. Maybe it's imprisonment or ridicule or job loss. All of these temporary fires that you may face for not bowing to the kings of the world, to the idols of the earth." Um, we must remember, church, that just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego couldn't avoid this fire if they chose only to bow to God, that we will face fires as well. But, but you know, Jesus promises something, the same thing that they knew that God was promising them. Here, let's read in verses 24 and 25. Uh, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste. Do you know what happened? They were thrown into the fire, and King Nebuchadnezzar declares to his counselors, Wait, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And the people around him answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Church, you may not be able to avoid the fire, But the promise of Almighty God is that you are not alone in the fire. Somebody type amen if that is the word you needed to hear today in the chat. You are not alone in the fire. You cannot survive the fire without Jesus. And the promise is that Jesus will never leave you in the fire alone. King Nebuchadnezzar throws Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire The fire that they knew they couldn't avoid. And after a few moments, he sees four walking around. You see, Jesus promised us in the New Testament that we will face trials and persecutions and difficulties. He promises us that we will face hatred from the world and from even those close to us. But he promises that he will never leave us or forsake us in the midst of those difficult trials. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us peace that passes all understanding. Let me know in the chat right now if you have been in the fire, but God has seen you through it. If you've been in the fire, but God has seen you do it through it, it's because Jesus will never leave you alone in the fire. He also gives you the church to make it through the fire with you. Someone say Amen right? <clears throat> Isn't it wonderful that when Jesus left us on this earth, he instituted this idea of the local church, the body of believers. He said, brothers and sisters walk through life on this earth together. And when one is weak, the others will pick up that burden and carry it with them. So not only are you not alone in the fire because Jesus never leaves you, but church, I want to say to you clearly today, you are not alone in the fire because our church doesn't leave you. One another. Look to your left and to your right in the chat, I understand. Or maybe you're at a watch party and you actually do have some people around you you can look to. And thank them for being with you in the fire. We are not alone, especially in this season where many of us have felt alone for these months as this has this pandemic has gone by. Um, you be encouraged today. You are not alone in the fire, just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not You know, the interesting thing about the fire is, though, that for someone who is unprepared for the fire, it'll burn you up. Maybe you want to say in the chat now, that's me. I've been in the fire, but I got burned. You know, when when you're unprepared for the fire, you will get burned. One of the guards who actually bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and took them down to the fiery furnace that Nebuchadnezzar had heated seven times hotter than usual because he was so furious One of the guards who shoved them into the fire burned to death right on the outside of the furnace. That's how hot the fire was. He wasn't prepared for the fire. But the three men who went all the way into the midst of the fire weren't burned. In fact, when they leave and they come out of the fire, Nebuchadnezzar says they don't even smell like smoke. Their clothes aren't even burned. How is that possible? It's because the one wasn't prepared for the fire, but the three were. Even though they went into the same fire, their God protected them, and they came out, and they didn't even smell like smoke. How? How did you survive, church? How did you survive that toxic work environment? You say to people, Jesus was with me how did you have the courage to get out of that abusive relationship that you were trapped by for years? Jesus was with me. Church, how do you cope? Maybe your lost friends have asked you these questions. How do you cope with anxiety? How do you handle your depression? And you say, Jesus is with me. Church, just because Jesus is with us. Doesn't mean we won't go through the fire, but it does mean you won't go through the fire alone. You won't go through the fire alone. A third promise that we find here in scripture is that um, the fire isn't forever. Listen to this. Then Nebuchadnezzar comes near to the door of the burning of the fiery furnace, and he declares, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw that the fire had not had any power over the bones of those men. The hair on their head was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire Came upon them. Church, the fire is not forever. Praise God that the fire doesn't last forever. When you face the fire because you refuse to bow the knee to the kings of the earth, then the fire doesn't last forever. You know, in fact, the eternal fire, the fire of hell, the one in which is found all who, who fail to follow Jesus at the end of days. That's the fire that lasts forever. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation. In other words, when we trust in Jesus, we guarantee that the fire will not last forever, even though some of us on earth are called to go through many more fires than others. Maybe you're listening today and you say, I've been through more fires than you, Pastor. That's why I don't believe this is true. The reason this is hard for me to comprehend is because I've gone through fires that you don't understand, young sir. And I would look to you and I would say that I believe that you've been through fires and many more fires than me. But church, the word of God is true, And when Jesus said, there is therefore now no condemnation, when Paul said, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, what he was speaking was the power of salvation for those who believe. That when we believe on Jesus, not only will the fires of this earth not swallow us forever, and we will come out and spend eternity with him in the new heavens and the new earth, but we also leave As a destination on our ticket, hell behind. Hell is the eternal destination of those who follow sin unto death, who bow their knee to the idols of this world, the idols of self and the idols of pride and to the idols of sin. But for those who have followed Jesus, for those who trust in him for salvation, the fire doesn't last forever. Some of you may be listening right now and watching this sermon, and you say, "Um, I'm in the middle of the fire. It's been going on for a long time, and I don't know how you can say it's not going to last forever because I see no light at the end of the tunnel. And to you, I would point to this final thought, and that is a hard one to swallow when you're in the midst of the fire, but the fire is for your good. If you have ever experienced good out of the midst of a fire, throw a thumbs up in the chat right now. If God has ever brought you through a fire, he didn't leave you alone, and it didn't last forever, and you got on the other side and you said, you know what? I am better because I went through that fire. I was able to help walk other people through the fire based on my experience. You know, God taught me a lot in the fire about who he is and who I need to be in response to that. I am grateful for the fire. If you've ever been grateful for the fire, throw a thumbs up in the chat right there. Church, listen to verse 30. The fire was for their good. Verse 30 says, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. They went into the fire worthy of death by the king's edict. They chose not to follow him, and they did not bow to his throne. But they came out of the fire for their good. You see, when God doesn't leave you alone in the fire, and when God reminds us that the fire is not forever, we finally get to this truth that the fire is for our good. Have you ever seen what happens when fire at the appropriate temperature and handled in in a constant way, how it can refine certain things? You know that gold necklace you have on right now or that, that gold ring you're wearing? That gold touched fire at one point. But you see, it didn't get all black and filled with soot. It, it, it didn't burn up or melt away into nothing. But you see, the, the refiner's fire actually burned out all of the impurities of that gold. And then it enabled the jeweler to fashion it in the way that it rests on your neck or on your finger right now. You see, the fire was for the good of that piece of jewelry that you wear. The same is true in in pottery. You know, both of these things are mentioned in the Bible as examples of what it's like for God's people to go through fire as well. You know, a, a, a potter puts the clay on the wheel and begins to fashion it. And once they get something that they know will be perfect, whether it's a bowl or a chalice or a statue, they don't just leave it sitting. Because you know what happens when that clay gets left right there without the fire is it begins to crack. And it begins to break. It becomes very brittle. But when they put it in the kiln and they turn the temperature to the right amount and they leave it in for the perfect time, when that piece of clay comes out, it has now been fortified. You see, the fire is what makes the clay strong. Church, the fire is for your good. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that holy, almighty God commanded our allegiance, their allegiance above anyone else. So when someone said, bow before me, they said, or face the fire, they said, I'll take the fire any day. Because I know, I know a few things about my God that you don't know. They said to him, right, well, well my God's going to save me from the fire. And, and even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to him anyway because we're not really worried about what your fire will do to our body because our souls rest in him for eternity. Church, the fire is for our good. And as we turn and look from Daniel, or or in this case, specifically Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to Jesus, we can see that the one that's with us there, and the one that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego there in the fire, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he went through the fire so that you and I could have freedom from it. You don't have to face the fire alone because Jesus voluntarily went into the fire through his death on the cross. And for three days, he descended to the depths. And when he came and rose victoriously at his resurrection, praise to the Father that he is victorious over the fire and that Christ Jesus sits on the throne reigning in power. And anytime time the earthly um, uh, precepts, the earthly kings, the earthly magistrates decide that they want to say, you know what, if you don't bow before me, I'm going to cast you into the fire, Jesus Christ stands up and says, no, oh, no, 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 no. Let me tell you something about my God. You see, my God has given me the victory. My God has given me the say over these people. And you have no power over them. So put them through the fires, if you will. But I will never leave them. I will never forsake them. And I'm going to turn that fire you meant for their destruction around for their good. And soon you will see, earthly king. Soon you will see that I, Jesus, am the one who has say over my people? Beloved, Jesus has say over you. These earthly kings that demand your allegiance, or else you will, fill in the blank, perish, not be satisfied, be poor and hungry, those idols, these ways of the world, these, these instruments that the world uses to demand your attention and allegiance. Church, they do not have any power over you. If you are in Christ Jesus, he has power not only over the things of the world, but also your way through the punishments that the world might throw your way. The fire is for our good because Jesus went through the fire and rose victorious so that you and I don't have to face the fire alone. So what do we do with this? You know, this this passage was written for several reasons. Number one, as a historical account of what God has done for his people Israel when they were taken from Jerusalem and into the hand of an enemy king. That's part of the reason this is written. Another part of this is written, though, so that we might look and see how God is sovereign over the sovereignty of kings. And especially, like I mentioned at the beginning, for us, in our context, in an election year, we need to be reminded, church, that it does not matter who the president of the United States of America is. It doesn't matter who sits on the Supreme Court or who fills the halls of our Senate and our House of Representatives. God is on the throne. God will use his purposes and his plans, not only for your life, but for our lives collectively. He will use them to bring him glory. And so get out, do your democratic um, uh, obligation if you believe you need to vote for one candidate of the other, you pray about it. You line it up with scripture. You talk to your uh, church family about it. That's fine. But you do not forget who sits on the throne. Over and above our president and our ruling bodies, God Almighty sits on the throne. So if some of the idols are, are causing, are begging for your allegiance right now, Take that with the grain of salt that you should. Remember that just as Nebuchadnezzar demanded attention and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Now, I don't think you know my God. You may need to say that to yourself today as an encouragement. But, but to, to, to zoom in on our life a little bit closer than just thinking about the presidential election and thinking about our nation, I want us as a next step today to begin identifying some idols that are demanding our attention in our daily lives. Is it social media and your phone? Is it your checking account? Is it food or drink? Is it your relationships or sex? Is there something in your life right now that is demanding and offering something that only God can provide, demanding your attention and offering us something only God can provide you? If that is so, church, turn from those idols and come to Jesus just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that there was nothing King Nebuchadnezzar could actually provide for them, there is nothing that that idol that is demanding your attention can actually provide for you either. So come to Jesus. Bow your knee to him and him alone. That's the next step for for those of us who are followers of, of Christ. However, you may be watching this or listening to this later on and you may have never trusted Jesus for salvation. When I said there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that those who are in Christ Jesus part is pivotal. If you have never laid down your life on the altar of Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are who you say you are. And I turn from my sins and I confess them. I need you to save me. If you have never done that before, I invite you today to do that. You can just repeat those words right there that I just said. Just say, Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I turn to you. I will not bow to these idols any longer. I bow to the one true King, Jesus. Save me, O Lord. And if you do that, if, if, you, if you repeat those words, if you say that prayer, and that is the desire of your heart, I invite you to put in the chat right there uh, that you just prayed that prayer. We would love to reach out with you and talk to you about those next steps, about how you can be, become a disciple of Jesus, a follower of him, who trusts in him alone for salvation. Church, we can be fearless in the fire, not because we're strong enough to withstand it, but because we are never going to face it alone and because it does not last forever. And finally, church, we can face the fire because we trust in Jesus enough to say, God, I know this fire is for my good. Use it for my good, for your glory, and for the good of those around me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are our Lord, and we trust you. We trust you even when it doesn't seem like there's any other choice besides the fire. God, we trust you even when we want with everything that we have to follow you, but other things are are vying for our attention. God, we trust you. Would you bow our knees to you alone? Give us courage, give us faith, and give us the strength that we need to stand up from those idols that are begging for our attention and our allegiance and turn and trust you over and above them. Thank you for the way that you are sovereign over us. We rest in you. We place our country in your hands. We place our city in your hands. And Father, we ask that you would bring to faith in you our neighbors. God, I pray that you would lead us not only in the ways of your truth, but you would lead us in the ways of your love so that our our unbelieving friends would understand that love is our mission because you have first loved us and that people would come to faith in you by the hundreds and by the thousands in this city for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.